Hey, welcome back to the Boney Island Whitefish, the internet's only podcast that is dedicated to discussing season five of the procedural investigation forensic crime comedy drama Bones and no other seasons. (laughs) Not a single other season. If you're looking for season four or season six, you can fuck clean off. Take it somewhere else. Take it the fuck outside. Hey, buddy, why don't you start your own podcast about season six of the show Bones? That's right. You know who's going to listen to it? Not us. (laughs) We will not be inadvertently learning about season six of Bones. I will do everything necessary, everything in my power to avoid knowing anything. Now, here's the thing. In the sort of legendarium of the show, me learning about Bones was because my girlfriend and her family really enjoy it because they're French and they have like every episode of NYPD Blue on DVD in their giant DVD library. Um, and that's, that's I, just, I somehow feel like that's a continental thing to do is just to be like, it's just to be like, yes, I have, I have every season of medium. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, and so we did sort of you know especially during lockdown watch uh, different episodes of Bones. So I probably have seen episodes from season four or season six, but crucially, I couldn't tell you what any of them are. So there is a uh, doctrine, and it's double jeopardy that I believe protects me legally. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see for now. For now. Ah, uh, yes. Now, um, I'm Andrew, of course, with and my I'm, dear friend Riley. And I am Riley. The guy, I, I, I like to, my, my trademark is I jump the gun on my own introduction. Go, oh, Riley. <laughs> God, Riley. <laughs> God, please don't forget me. Yeah, fuck, what if he's forgotten? What if this is the week? What <laughs> if this is the week he tries to say my name and nothing comes out? Or worse, white noise or a high-pitched scream? <laughs> he's always threatening it. What if he finally <laughs> follows through? That's no good. Riley, do you have a bagel update for us after last week? Number one, I I learned how they spell bagel in the UK, and I am still reeling a full week later. Uh You're reeling spelled Um, (laughs) R-E-I. No! (laughs) uh, I I had another bagel from the same place. Uh, I had Philadelphia cream cheese on it. I went with a bit of a thicker layer, and Mm. then when I opened up the smoked salmon, I found a small bone in it. It's like they knew. They were like, this guy, he won't stop saying, I overheard him. And he was saying, uh, just muttering about bones, not enough bones. More bones. Yeah. More bones. Let's give him one. Yeah, so the salmon. So I opened up, the, opened up the salmon packet, and what do you know? There's a little bone in there. So I had to remove the bone, um, mm-hmm. and then assemble the smoked salmon bagel, put a little, little squeeze of lemon on that. Um, Pour some coffee into a uh, Le Creuset Cerise mug, uh, which I have now laid to, laid to rest on a uh, tile that I purchased from a nearby Mexican goods shop that my uh, loving girlfriend, uh, when she was done watching, you know, Blue Bloods, uh, put, some, <laughs> put some sticky felt on the back of and turned from a, a piece of uh, home renovation equipment, that, like a 75p tile, 
into a beautiful coaster. Transforming it from a <laughs> rudimentary piece of construction material into home goods. Precisely. And that's beautiful. And so just much, and so that's like that's what the Boney Island Whitefish is all about. Yes, we're all about ha- hang, spending hours making notes about this 40-minute episode of television so we can make uh-huh. fun of it later. <laughs> we're also all about making your home look fresh and new uh, for a, a really a good price. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to bagel policy, mine is that I would like cream cheese on it. And my instruction to the waitstaff is always the same. Start putting cream cheese on it and stop when you can no longer see the bagel. Oh, yeah. I, I want... I, if, I, if I have cream cheese and a bagel, I'm like... I would like... I, I want to... I want to... Like, I have had cream cheese and a bagel spread in a bagel before where it's like just a gossamer thin veneer of cream cheese that melts into a toasted bagel before you can even yeah. take a bite out of it, which feels like, to me like, like what Tantalus would have undergone. Yeah, trying to, try, like someone's saying, not too much butter on my toast and putting a very shy layer of butter on their toast. Oh, here's another uh, that's thing. That's no good to me. You know what they call cream cheese in Britain? Oh, boy. Soft cheese. Motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, it's very upsetting to me that we are still in the Commonwealth being led by this bunch of freaks. Yeah. God damn it. Hey. If it isn't bad enough... Hello, the, the could, whole... I have, could I have a bagel and soft cheese? I know I sounded like I said the first thing normal, but I, I promise <laughs> you I spelled it weird. <laughs> That's soft with an I. Um... <laughs> S-O-U-F-T. Uh, served. Some served... Um... Uh, excuse, sorry, sorry. Can I please bother you from, for some soft cheese? Um, yes, yes. You'd call it creep. Yeah, yes, I am a pedophile. But does does that does that fuck with like? Because soft cheese to me is already a definition. Uh huh. Soft it's cheese is already like your breeze and your camemberts and such. A hard cheese might be a pecorino, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, no, I'm with you. Okay. Britain, oh, well, I'm I'm just Britain wondering is on trial they, here. How do they how do they classify those kinds of cheeses then? Uh, they don't. It's also soft cheese. God damn it! Yeah, this country That's... is this country is diseased. Oh, let me have a bagel with soft cheese. God damn it! Well, I think it's the. I think um, okay. So after what actually is the case, right? Is after we had our our bagel conversation last week, uh, some people said helpfully said that actually North America and the rest of the world, it's an anglicized version of the Yiddish spelling. And the, well, the, I mean, the, so the more Yiddish spelling is actually the British one, which sort of means mm-hmm. it's the more right one. It's more legit. Yes, indeed. So, you know, maybe you should take a lesson from us. However, this country is still, you know, awful for other reasons. This is actually one of the few shining lights is that we spell bagel in a way that's more connected to its roots. We've, we've got a, uh, something pretty sad to talk about here we've got a uh, we've got bad news which is that the i'm done my bagel uh, the bagel is done and i don't know how to tell you this but the bones count for this episode is an all-time low <laughs> oh no now single digit. compared to not a, it's single digit we have a bones count of five wow that's it's like, is she even in the show? Where are the bones? Yeah. 
sounds you know? more like a sounds more like a spinoff. You know, hey, maybe maybe this is maybe this is an investigation for flesh. Yeah, am I am I watching Bone here? You know, jeez. Quickly, quickly, femur. You gotta go ch- check out these femurs. <laughs> We're having a now. Well, I I will say in a in a very opening pre credit scene here, absolutely tantalizing stuff happening. As they, I think they finally kind of answer some of our questions about which crime scenes Bones does and does not get called to. So, we're going to get right into it with episode five. God damn it, I've done it again. Season five. Season five. Season five, episode nine. The Gamer in the Grease. We all love a well-greased gamer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, The Gamer Uh, in the Grease. What are they talking about? My freaking teenage bedroom over here. Yes. Yes. Um, are we? Are we yes, talking that's, yes, about? Yes, that's right. Are we talking about a thirty-two-year-old incel applying lube before they start watching a Twitch stream? Yes. So, we open with a father and son uh, grease trap emptying team getting to work. This is actually like- this is actually Homer and Bart uh, in yes. real life. Yes, yeah. from that episode of The Simpsons. Where they are stealing all the fat yes. from, the, from the school's deep fry. Um, so they start poking around in there and they're like, oh, there's a bunch of hair in there. Um, this big, this big uh, length of, of three foot long hair must have come from a rat. Let's start mm-hmm. digging around in here. Yeah. Um, also, I, I like that it opens on how, ta- them talking about how much they love seafood and prawns and stuff. And I'm like, hell yeah, these are a couple of guys who get my kind of thing. Oh well, what they were saying was that um, was that it's not that it stinks when you have to empty a big grease trap that has been used to fry seafood. Oh, I just heard seafood, and I was like, "Hell yeah, my friend!" Let's uh, the talk. Guy was like, the guy was like, "It smells like shrimp," and uh, one of oh. the other ones says, "Oh, you know, I can deal with it when it's um when it's like a, a deep fryer for chicken." But not when it's for, for like shrimp and fish and shit. See, and the dad is like, shut up, you pussy. <laughs> and starts sucking the grease out of that. See, I hear the word seafood and I just think of like a three-tiered seafood tower where it's like a bunch of like just different shellfish on ice. And I'm just like, hell yeah, that's my idea of a good time. Cool, Bones side characters. I'm glad we agree. Glad we agree. You know what I made um, last weekend? What you make? Uh, my wife bought a bag of uh, frozen prawns. And because we had been watching uh, YouTube videos of this uh, South Korean couple that we like to watch, shout out to Aaron and Claire, and they cook stuff. And the guy um, guy does recipes of like, hey, here's ten things you can do with spam because we eat a lot of spam here. Mm-hmm. Here's eight ways to dress up ramen or whatever. And one was here's a bunch of stuff to do with like frozen shrimp. And so he, he made like um, he made like deep fried prawn toast things. This sounds and pretty my good. Wife, my wife was like, "I wish to eat that," and she bought a bag of frozen frozen prawns. Uh, so on Friday night, I was like, it's, "It's deep frying some frozen prawns time." Do you have a deep fryer? No, it was just in a in a big big enamel um, cast iron thing. You right. Know? I do, however, have a like a candy thermometer type thing you know mm-hmm. oh yeah uh so, so i can measure the temperature of my my oil uh yes and deep fried some <clears throat> some toast with some 
some like minced prawns in, in there with like egg white and uh, green onions and all kinds of stuff. It was an absolute treat. It was wonderful. That sounds great. It was wonderful. That, however, was not the delicious treat that this father and son team were having. Um, they they go, oh, hair, I better start tugging on this. And then a Frankenstein-looking head pops up out of the grease. And um, and they both say, and I quote, Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, that classic <laughs> quote. <laughs> ah, good guy. Yep. <laughs> ah, called 9-1 Bones. Yep. Um, I think this one's probably a record setter in terms of like... Um, you know how this is like the Law and Order setup, uh, walking through a walking through a multi-story car park with your friends, oh, yeah. talking about the game of basketball you just played, um, and you're like countdown to finding the dead body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like this one was really quick. They were like, "We are here to empty this grease trap," and the other one was like, "Shut up and empty the grease trap." And then they go, "There's a body in this grease trap." Cut to Bones and Booth arriving on the scene and arguing about what is and is not a sport. Mm, this is a through line that makes it through 20, 30% of the episode before they forget uh, to continue having this conversation. I disagree that they end the episode by still continuing this conversation. Well, it's, a, it's the, you know what it is. It's that um, it, the, we, we start the episode with this conversation going on. It sort of comes up again, sort of thematically with some other things like, you know, a writer would do. And then they forget to have it for quite a while. And then, oh, yeah, and then it comes back. Yeah, yeah, and then it comes back right at the very end. Because they're like, oh, shall we go back and maybe thread some more references to that through? Oh, no, it's lunch now? Okay, fine. Out to the craft services table. So, um, so you know, they're, they're arguing about this. Booth is saying that chess and fishing are not sports. Due to their lack of physical exertion, he's saying things like basketball, hockey. Those are real sports. With which we can all agree. Yeah. Yes. Um, so they find this gross body, except it it looks like when I when I said Frankenstein style before. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, the body looks looks to me like it had been like stitched back together, kind of thing. Um, yeah, by, by grease elves. Yeah, <laughs> and and so this body there and bones is like. The remains are covered in flesh. Why am I here? And I was like, yeah, "That's right. What is this? What's happening here? It has to be bones." Because what about the James? What about the James Bond episode? Yeah, they remember the James Bond episode where, like, where where the dude gets run over by a car, yeah. or shot, or whatever. Some combo of being shot and run over by an Aston Martin because he's James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like a day or two later. The, they come to the crime scene and like cats have just kind of eaten the face and the hands and stuff off the body. But yeah, well, it's, it's still it's still a big fleshy body. Or remember when the mummy? What the mummy isn't just bones. That's a big part of being a mummy. Is you're more than just a skeleton. And even then, the murder the the body for the first like sort of seventy five percent of the episode was just a bit of blood splatter. Well, and then and then once it yeah once it was an actual dead body that they found in the sarcophagus that was just a person who had just been murdered. Yeah, like it's, the whole is, lady. There, well, maybe these were all also exceptions, you know. Yeah, I, I just don't know why Bones didn't see like that body in the sarcophagus and be like, "Nope, fuck that, I'm out of here." <laughs> Come back when it's Bones. 
Well, I think the quote I pulled was Booth say Seely Booth saying, "I heard murder victim in cooking oil, and I just figured that Bones would love this." So I think the other thing you can't overlook in terms of how cases get assigned to Bones or members of the Bone Squad is like um, just their personal relationships with one another. Where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to assign this to Bones because I think she'd like it. I'm going to have my my therapist come on this uh, murderer investigation with me <laughs> because I think he he might you know help me solve some other issues I have with my friends and so on. It's really my, just it's really just a show about friends. Yeah, my unrequited love interest would get a hoot out of this corpse. <laughs> um, so, but helpfully, the situation resolves itself when they pull the body out of the big tub of oil and then in a really surprisingly graphic scene um all of the skin falls off the body and plops onto the ground and all the organs fall out too and also plop onto the ground wetly they they really they really wet it up as well yeah yeah the other thing is right here's something that's almost i've forgotten how shows can be like this this is one of the first episodes of bones where we haven't suggested like that the victim was secretly, uh, like, there's a fast food plot to turn humans into hamburgers or whatever, and, you know, he drowned in grease or what have you, you know? Um, yeah, there was, there was no, there was definitely no uh, indications of the supernatural or anything. Yeah, nothing. Just, just hey, there's a body in some grease, um, and here's a bunch of gross stuff. Uh, so, I, I'm almost feeling sort of... Uh, I'm feeling sort of adrift almost that we can't um, do our usual timer of how long it takes to go from the crystal method to the debunking of whatever was um, was raised before the crystal method. Well, well, luckily for you, we have two things to lift your spirits. Yes. The first one also, is... I, I'm, now, I'm now that we... I'm, I have one thing. I'm looking at my um, Cerise Le Creuset cup, and I wanted to indicate it was a gift. I didn't buy it for myself. Please carry on. <laughs> Covering the important stuff here. Um, so, so, luckily, we have bones now. Bones can be involved. Um, let's take these bones back to the Jefferson Medico Institute for Sexual Harassment, put them on the big table. Now, I was immediately thrown into fits of hysterical laughter as Joel David Moore appeared, who apparently has been there as one of the many, 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 many interns that they have in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's introduced in a previous season. Will we find out which one? No. Of course not. However, you may recognize him from, say, Grandma's Boy or the film Dodgeball or from the film Avatar where he plays one of the scientists alongside uh, Joel, not Joel Egerton, Sam Worthington, the other famous Australian, Sam Worthington, and Sigourney Weaver, who gets into a, a big, big blue Navi suit and fucks a tree or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in that movie. And luckily, he's here in Bones to do Avatar cross-promotion. <laughs> as soon as this started happening, I lost my fucking mind. He's here with multiple movie tickets to see Avatar and he's showing them to Sweets and Hodgins and it's like, we all hate each other for some reason and I'm going to take you to see Avatar. <laughs> I mean, the, just isn't, isn't the, if I said just the phrase, Avatar cross promotion in a police procedural, if that isn't like 
almost hauntological for 2010, I don't know what is. I did have to check because, um, as we've established previously, uh, Emily Deschanel has played Dr. Temperance Bones Brennan in fucking uh, Bojack Horseman. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so, so we have already established that the character of Bones exists outside of the canon of the TV show Bones. So I did actually have to check, is Joel David Moore... Um, is the scientist that he plays in Bones also the scientist that he plays in Avatar? But it is not. They are different characters. Yeah, there, I guess in the in the Bones universe, there's a great leap forward in technology that allows us to go to the the planet and get the stuff. Uh, and he's promoted from intern to Avatar. Um, you start in the co- so you sorry you start in the mail room and you work your way up to Avatar. Work your way up to getting in the big Avatar. Um, it did kind of make me mad in that way that like, you know, you know, when um, you put someone in a movie like DMX and uh, it's like, hey, it's rapid DMX starring in a movie. So what we're going to do is um, very prominently, very high in the mix feature DMX songs where DMX is rapping in scenes where DMX is starring as an unrelated character on screen. Uh, That that frustrates me to no end (laughs) This is like that But for um, King of the Sea list Joel David Moore That's right And I'm just like You're in Avatar What's going to happen When they watch the movie And he sees himself on screen Well hey (laughs) uh, Spoiler alert He uh, doesn't see himself on screen Because he's uh, a little busy Well that's just as well Because it might have turned into Some type of like you know time traveling and then touching yourself yeah. uh, kind of situation, you know, making the whole universe collapse in on itself. Again, it, so, it had the glimmers of a good show where an intern at the Jeffersonian Medical Criminal Institute for Sexual Harassment realizes that he either has a twin or can see into another timeline where he yeah. is a famous avatar actor. Yeah. Being Joel David Moore. Um. <laughs> well, there's the episode title. <laughs> So, um, so like the boys are all very excited about it. Uh, yeah, the special all, effects are going to be kick facing. ass. They're all they're soy, soy facing. facing so hard. <laughs> ah! And I and I do have to um read this moment where Hodgen says, "Nice Avatar." You guys do realize that being this excited about a sci-fi film will drastically cut down on the number of women that will sleep with us. And Fisher being played by Avatar's Joel David Moore, says, oh, I'm into the high double digits sex-wise. So, not worried. I need to finish way more sentences with sex-wise. <laughs> it's, it's like, at like a head, like, like it's a 16th century ship and you're trying to give a heading to the bosun. 14 degrees sex-wise, please, Mr. David Moore. Yeah, I've been fired from work sex-wise. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, boy also just being like just just sitting down being like don't worry co-workers who i'm asking you to go to a movie with me i've had my dick touched in the high double digits of times you know in a sex way anyway right. how's it, work at this job that we have together i'm an intern well strangely enough this this seems to be like a viscerally upsetting thing for sweets to learn um and not because he's like Hey, we're at work. 
I know that it's the Jefferson Medico Institute for Sexual Harassment, but why are you telling me exactly how many women you've had sex with? Instead, he looks like, oh, no, that's far more women than I've had sex with. Uh, very strange thing to think. Sexual powerhouse Lance Sweets. A man, who looks like, a man who looks perpetually like he's just fallen asleep. Oh, he also does look like um, two babies standing on each other's shoulders in a suit. Oh, yeah. He is. Um, he, Lance Sweets looks like he looks like an entire pre-K class crammed into a suit and it's nap time. Just a bunch um, of sleeping babies. So. They do establish that the victim was alive when they went into the grease and they died. The cause of death was frying and cooking. <laughs> yeah, but, but frying, one. Cooking, two. Two causes of death. Two very separate causes. Now, I know that you are upset about not having any, any kind of, you know, um, I, not having Booth say, so you're saying it was Bigfoot that killed him with a coconut? Yeah. Uh, before the credits or anything like that. I am a lot upset about that. But we've got a consolation prize for you, which is while looking at this big mushy corpse, um, Bones decides that it's time to review occupational markers, which means that it's time for some wild speculation. We are ready for some assumptions that just do not get questioned and are proven to be right, basically, by luck. That's right. Now, we were discussing the the sort of um, steadily closing gap as these episodes go on between something unusual being framed before the credits and then immediately being proven to just be able to be dismissed instantly after the credits. Um, but in this case, we're flipping it around, okay? So, Bone says... Let's review occupational markers. Acute asymmetrical spinal subluxation, which in life would have been apparent in a pronounced leftward lean. Chronic periosteal reaction with bone formation over the clavicle, which makes Cam say, hmm, constant pressure on his collarbone. Bones, so maybe he was carrying something heavy on one shoulder, you know. Mm -hmm. Only uh, one person has ever done that. Bone says... Remodeled bite marks on the tibia, probably canine. Leading Fisher to say, sounds like this guy spent most of his life carrying something heavy on his left shoulder while dodging dogs. Is that real? Is that a thing? This is another another issue of like little peeks into the minds of the Bones writers where it's like, oh, you know, mailmen always dodging dogs and coming into white picket fences and stuff like this is this is very much like a sort of cosseted suburbia vision of of the world it's like this is like this is like naughty but with murders it does um it does harken back to the distant time of 2009 when there was like a mail service you know <laughs> uh which <laughs> seems to be less and less of a thing as we go on so bone says together with the high levels of carbon monoxide i posit that our victim was a mail carrier Yep. Someone went postal on this postman, proclaims mm -hmm. Fisher, to awkward silence in the room. That is, of right. course, time for... Credits! We've also beaten another of our own records. 
That is uh, 30 minutes, approximately, <laughs> before the credits. Just Wonderful. under. So, we've done all this setup to say, hey, here's a bunch of really vague shit as to why we think that this, um, like, gross, uh, mushed up corpse that we found in a deep fryer... Um, perhaps was occupied as a postman. Immediately after the credits, we are treated to a shot of Booth holding up the mailman's ID and saying, yes, he was a mailman. You were right. How did we find that? How did we just- How did we how find did... him? Yeah. Did you, did you just call- Hey, any missing mailman? Well, that's his explanation. He's like, yeah. yes, he is a mailman who was reported missing two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That sorts that out. Yep. He uh, just punched it into the big <laughs> missing mailman database. <laughs> I would love that. Just just some like, you know, 40-year-old guys just on the sides of milk cartons. Have you seen me? <laughs> Great. So, um, Free he was to a, a good postman. home, mailman. He was a postman, but according to his sad wife, who gets brought in for an interview, he was more than just a postman. His passion was gaming. <gasps> he was the gamer. gamer. Oh, that's gamer that mis- on our hands. That's that mystery solved, I guess. The mystery of the title. <laughs> I guess we so- we solved the mystery of this postman's inner life. It turns out he was more than just his job. Anyway, on to the next adventure. So she says, uh, she explains, My husband became the reigning world champion, Punky Pong, after he got a perfect score. It was on the news. <laughs> <laughs> So cool that they they're just like again this is this is what happens the writers like watched King of Kong but like from another room and then just sort of read the box the box the, the the back of the box description and then tried to spin the back of the box description of King of Kong into a plot of a murder episode and accidentally just have care they, they mix up like stage direction and sort of like the the, the titles of different um of cards in the scene breakdown with dialogue like he was a well, gamer got, and it went on at tv i i think it goes a bit further than this and we will we will get into that so we're back in the lab um fisher is soaking the corpse in beer that's crazy uh kind of epic <laughs> it's it is massively epic. He is uh, soaking the corpse in beer, and once all the flesh comes away, he's going to rub down the bones with epic bacon. <laughs> and he he explains that it's a it's like a gentler way of breaking down the uh, the flesh that's still left on the bones, without damaging uh, the skeleton. So you know him and Sweets and Hodgins are all there, and they're like, I guess we got to wait a while for this. Must be time to all watch the Avatar trailer together. Avatar! Yeah. Avatar, you know that movie. Avatar. We spent a billion dollars on it. Avatar. Ah. We we played a clip from, in an earlier episode, from an episode in a season which we have not watched and never will watch, in which there is um, extremely prominent product placement of uh, Toyota. Of, a, of like a, a self-parking Toyota where they're all in the car and they'll go, what? This Toyota is parking itself? That's so cool. And, <laughs> and I you, think and that you this, got what APR? Yeah. And I think that this is right up there with that. They all, um, they all go in and like watch um, 
watch the trailer together on Angela's stupid, big, transparent monitor, which is like the worst way to watch anything. Mm-hmm. The monitor you can see through. Yeah. Um, and they're just doing great little line reads for the movie. Uh, Sweet says, okay, I am no longer able to discern special effects from live action, which yeah, is that's what because- we all thought when we saw the 12-foot-tall blue aliens in Avatar. Well, no, that's because he's watching it at a clear monitor. He's not able to discern what special effects and what's live action going on behind the monitor. Yeah, because it looks like shit. Yeah, because it looks um, awful. It makes everything look terrible. And Hodgson says, well, this is 2D. 3D is going to blow your mind, he says, looking directly into the camera and waving a big check from James Cameron. That's right. Uh, yeah, oh. just, and also, again, it's, it's this thing where it's like, I don't know, you've, you've never earned these people being like sort of nerds about this stuff. It never. There is, this, Lance Sweets has never once said, you know, I sure did enjoy fantasy novels as a kid. No, it's just like, okay, well, there's product placement now, so he's he's a nerd and he's always been a nerd, and this is his greatest desire. Yeah, we we sort of we 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 establish it bone style, which yeah. is you have the statement up front that there's a sci-fi movie he's excited about, and then you spend the rest of the episode saying, "I sure do love sci-fi." <laughs> and, then, and then next episode, who knows? I certainly uh, don't. Angela gets mad and says, don't use my big fancy computer. It's for solving crimes through making things up. <laughs> this is pure. This is a wild speculation computer. Not on yes. turns, turns directly to the camera. Incredible summer movie event computer. That's right. So while all this is happening, we should probably investigate this murder. So um, uh, now that we know the identity of the mystery mailman deep fried corpse, uh, Bones and Booth have gone out to talk to... I, I kind of missed how they, they arrived here. Basically, someone had put in a complaint about the conduct of the mailman. And they arrive at a house. And at this house, there is a Punky Pong arcade cabinet. And standing at it is a like a young teen gamer... With autism. A punky say, pong savant. Another very compassionate and uh, nuanced depiction of people on the spectrum. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which is what, what we love and have come to expect from Bones at this yes. point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so basically the dad who seems a bit sus explains that he came in there one day and that the mailman was like looking in on his son just uh, creepily watching him play Punky Pong, the very real game. Mm-hmm. Um, although, at some point, there is an overlay that comes up on the screen and says, visit fox.com slash bones to play Punky Pong. Do you, is the site still up? I looked and it's not. It's very sad. I tried to see if I could find like a version of it online anyway, and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried like the way I haven't tried like the Wayback Machine or anything to see if there is a 2009 preserved copy of uh, Fox.com slash Bones. <laughs> f- f- uh, there's I I just googled it. You can get um, Punky Pong Kim's Corner, a WVU grad student blog. Um, free online games uk Punky Pong comma Punky Pong. No, I, I looked into these and it's the kind of thing where like you go and look and they've just punched Punky Pong as a search term into their own website and then they just have a bunch of variations of Pong. 
And that's uh, not what p- we're after. Pinterest.co.uk. Pin. Punky Pong. <laughs> Punky Pong. Um, so, I will continue to do my research, but yes, Punky please. Pong is basically a weird, a weird pseudo, like, mashed up version of Pong and Donkey Kong. Essentially. Uh, yeah, again, so. something, something that, you know, you definitely would make if you did, you know, five or more minutes of research on exactly what you're writing about. Uh, the dad explains that he yelled at the mailman who was seeming a bit weird, who then ran away when he got busted. Uh, again, the dad seemed slightly shifty to me. So now it's Angela computer time. Time to look at some stuff on the computer. She's explaining uh, old games that people still play, uh, that they set records on vintage cabinets instead of emulators, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. She then shows Bones a video of someone named Billy Gable. Yeah, just another another really interesting, fully realized guy who might as well be wearing a hat that said, uh, I might as well be wearing a jersey for like the red herrings. Well, uh, also though, as, as you had previously discussed... At this point, we are now wholesale ripping off the plot of the 2007 documentary, The King of Kong. Um, because The King of Kong was about a, um, a, a teacher from Washington named Steve, Steve Weib, who set out to defeat the legendary Donkey Kong record set by notorious psycho Billy Mitchell, not Billy Gable. <laughs> Wow, it's like I'm being transported into a world that's almost familiar, but has fictionalized elements. Thank you, Bones. It's, uh, yeah, it's, they've just taken the King of Kong and stuck it into their show. Yeah, uh, like, so what basically, if, what happened? What, what if Bones was involved in the King? You might as well just like, if you wanted to do this, you might as well just print out like a little picture of like Temperance Bones Brennan and uh, Seely Booth, put them on little popsicle sticks and put them up in front of your favorite um, uh, films and television shows, and then just like have them in that, and that'd be about similar. I, yeah, this is this is just stunning to me at this point because in the documentary, um, Billy Mitchell is the record holder. Seems pretty full on. He's held the record for twenty five years. This other guy breaks the record. Um, Billy Mitchell then immediately like mails a videotape of himself in setting a new record, but it's very controversial because people are like, we can't actually see if it's him breaking the record, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So they have now just completely lifted this. They've turned um, Billy Gable, Billy Mitchell into Billy Gable. Now you can't even tell. And made him the, the, the patsy, the villain of this show, just like the documentary. So, it's back to the FBI with sweets, and they're like, hey, check out this uh, psycho guy, Billy Mitchell. I mean, Billy Gable. Wink, wink at the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, this guy seems like a nutter. Um, sweets explains that video games can be a, an outlet for aggression, which I thought, oh, that's, you know, that's the actual assessment of them. And he says, so, if someone took his title, maybe he did get mad and kill him. <laughs> and I was so, like, oh. Are we suggesting that the show Bones is... <laughs> Uh, sort of like really firmly coming down on one side of the plot of King of Kong. <laughs> well, less so than than the King of Kong specifically, where they've clearly just said, "Hey, I saw this documentary 
and I found it interesting, I'm going to insert the plot of the documentary into the episode. Um, but they've also, they basically um, just start having a debate, Sweets, Bones and Booth, about the legitimacy of video games as sports. And and they're, they're basically like preempting the, the debates of many years later about competitive esports. I mean, again, um, Booth, pre- Booth pre- for once is solely yes. on the right side of history when he says mm-hmm. that's not a real sport. Uh, real sports involve physical activity uh, and not being a sweaty nerd. And meanwhile, the nerds, uh, Sweets and Bones, are both like, hey, it's, a, it's an organized competition with a set of rules. Therefore, it's a sport. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, but you can't just be like... Like, yeah, just the 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 idea of just like the the the, the failure to think of, to think of this and just like allow Angela to just kind of know. Well, there are twenty thousand machines in existence, fifteen fifteen hundred in the you know drivable area of Washington D.C. Of just the the specific how how specifically it's read as a sport to work for an episode of Bones and just sort of fit into things that can be known by the by the the Bones team is I think very amusing what did uh yeah what did the what did the writer hire from blockbuster on dvd the week before they had to write this show is basically (laughs) what i'm what i'm coming down to here so um hodgins gets a phone call oh sorry hodgins calls sweets Mm -hmm. to say uh one of us needs to go and start waiting in line for avatar the brand new exciting 3d feature film from visionary director james cameron and if I, this is where I add that this is the best that the writing of Bones has ever been because the B plot and the A plot are interacting meaningfully, which they've never done before. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, because um, Sweets, Sweets is being asked uh, some questions by Cam and then has to like be on the phone about the B plot while trying to do some stuff for the A plot, which again is the most the two have ever interacted <laughs> It doesn't go so far. I mean, this is a through line of the show is several of the characters um, trying to rush through what they're doing in order to be able to get back to waiting in line um, to see brand new 3D summer blockbuster Avatar from visionary director James Cameron. Um, But I I, I did have moments of like... um, I did have moments of going, oh, is this actually going to cause some sort of conflict or or force some kind of confrontation about them having to go, oh, we can't go to this movie because solving this crime is more important. But no, as we have firmly established in the world of network television in 2009, just going to smooth all the sharp edges off that bad boy and everyone will get what they want every time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's perfect. Um- where it's the the potential potential conflict? No, no, no! It's going to just work out. Now, we are back at the lab, uh, and we're about to have a repeat of the plot device from the Mummy episode. <coughs> if you recall, in the episode where the Mummy did a murder, um, there was uh, there was a point in that where they had identified three substances in something mm-hmm. um and they were like oh there's there's this thing and this thing and this thing this is a from an animal and this is some type of mineral or whatever um and eventually 
they identified that those three things were the the foundational elements of making colored paints in ancient times you know because angela went to art school that's right and in this case we have identified three mysterious items um left in the head wound that caused the death the big blunt force trauma that caused the death um, which I assume will unlock the secret of the murder at some point later in the episode. Hodgins yeah. says, My three mysterious particulates were all transferred from the weapon. That's so convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, the exoskeleton is from the Grillidae family, probably a nocturnal cricket. The graminoid seed is from a fescue grass, and I thought the silk-like fiber was from a tetrapod, but what kind is indeterminate at this point? And I've written down the note... I'm sure we'll look into this once the other leads have been exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing, right, is sometimes you just you just imagine Bones as existing as a real world artifact that tells real world people like what the police actually do. And the idea, again, just sort of to propagate this idea that the police are there to figure out mysterious murders, which is not obviously as any listener to any of our shows will know not what they do. The idea that, again, just so much effort would be put into finding one murderer where it's sort of not politically important. It's not a big media story. It's just the kind of cold case that would get shelved and so on and so on. It just it really comes to a head where they're like, well, time to break new scientific ground by in order to find someone who killed some guy. You know, it's it's real, real ideology hours. So I had one other thought here about the uh, three mystery clues that were found in the head wound, very similar to the mummy episode. Now that we have watched nine episodes of this show and started to identify extremely clear patterns in the screenwriting, um, I had one clarion call of a thought as soon as Hodgen said, here are the three mysterious, he says himself, three mysterious particulates (laughs) as soon as these were identified i immediately turned to my wife and said uh everything between now and when they identify where those three things came from does not matter Uh uh-huh until they tell us where those things came from nothing that they're talking about will have any impact on solving the crime and again a a well-written show right would have lots of things come together, maybe lead you down some false trails and stuff, but like, when when we realize what those three particulates are, everything would like slot into place. Be like, oh, this makes all that other stuff make sense. And so on. Does Bones do that? No. (laughs) No, it's just, it's just, uh, well, now we know how much time we have to fill. (laughs) So... Now that we have identified um, a red herring villain in the form of the uh, fake version of Billy from King of Kong, um, it's time to go and take a a trip to visit him at his arcade game workshop. He's in there um, facing away from the door, working on something on a workbench with an angle grinder. Um, And so Booth's approach is to just walk up and yank the cord on the power tool that the guy's in the middle of using. Cutting the power suddenly, which seems like a uh, that's, remarkably that's... unsafe thing to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, he is, he is, he's a cop that I guess is prejudiced against 
people that work with power tools. Uh, he's feeling threatened. He's like, this is a nerd. He shouldn't have power tools. That's right. Um, um, this yeah, this also, does also is, identify a, a pattern here, which is uh, kind of similar to like the Law and Order TV shows, which is anytime that they are investigating someone who says, hey, why are the police here acting aggressively and accusing me of crimes and such? Um, I'm quite taken aback. And they say, huh. You being taken aback or defensive or asking to speak to a lawyer is a clear sign of guilt to me, the government. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's one thing, right? Like, I, if you want to talk about how these shows function ideologically, one of the things is that almost no, like, when they do take, they do say, hmm, you're, you, a lot of your, like, video game parts match some of the wounds on Mr. Dead Guy. And again, this accusation goes no further. It's just a coincidence that the video game parts match the size and diameter of the wounds on the dead guy and so on. It's totally unrelated what ends up happening. Um, but then they're like, okay, yeah, you're going to accuse you of murder for a while. And I think one of the what these shows normalize is that it's weird to ask for a lawyer when you're being questioned by the police. Because people don't do it. Or if they do it, it's their admission of... It's their tacit admission of guilt, usually. Now, this guy... Oh, oh, got something to hide, do you, through your fancy lawyer? I think there's also an air of um, what this basically translates to is that exercising your rights is inherently suspicious. Yeah. Like <laughs> if no you one were on innocent, TV. No one on TV willing. has ever... Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, if, if, if you were innocent, you would be willing to waive all of your rights, which dovetails very nicely with... Um, with like the the gradual creeping expansion of the surveillance state because the thing that everybody always uses to justify that is that if you're not doing anything wrong then you shouldn't have anything to worry about you don't have anything to hide mm. and i think what that would like just to be serious for a moment what that always uh, sort of elides right is that if that survey is that yeah you're is that at the moment of the surveillance state's growth you might not be doing anything wrong, but then the surveillance state is there, and then a government might come in that says, "I'm going to I'm going to think actually everything you were doing that you thought was right and that was perfectly legal at the time was in fact wrong." Hmm. And then, oh no, it looks like you've never done anything wrong, and yet you now have something to hide. Um, yeah. Well, e even then, though, I mean. You, you don't even have to be hiding anything. You might just be saying, it is my understanding that a sensible thing to do when being publicly accused of murder uh, would be to talk to a lawyer. And in this yeah. case, um, they, they speak to this guy, Billy, who is even wearing an American flag tie, just like the real Billy Mitchell in the documentary. Um, and Booth tries to bamboozle him with the classic Chief Wiggum technique of very quickly asking him, did you kill him? Uh, yeah, and he the says, only thing protecting no. people's constitutional rights to not be like um, arbitrarily detained is the fact that Booth is very bad at his job. Sure is. He just says, "Hey, did did you do the murder?" Although I will say that that is a very effective way of conducting investigations in the universe of Bones, because as we've thoroughly established, if you ask the murderer if they killed the murder victim, they are obliged to say yes. They will say yes. They will always say yes immediately. But instead, this guy says, hey, 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 uh, this guy and the ref 
who accepts the the records for Punky Kong machines. I reckon they were in on something together. His name is Chris Ballinger. I reckon he's the guy. He hooked up with some babe, mm. a notorious babe. Yeah, these, these babes, before, they're always cropping up around murders. Before we can look into this murder, babe, it's time for some more Avatar promo. Which consists of I love going this B plot. to get this set up. This B plot is so good. Going to get set up to sleep in line outside the theater so that they get a good spot for Avatar. There's Avatar movie posters. There's the big Avatar banner out the front of the cinema. Mm. One thing I find um, very funny. They don't talk about the content of Avatar at all. They just talk about like that Avatar is good. That the special effects are good. That you want good seats for the good special effects. Um, and that if you're a cool type of nerd, which in 2010 was a sort of new thing, and you have to see Avatar because it's good. And if you want to nerd out about something, you can nerd out about this. Well, actually, there's there's a lot of references to um, there's a lot of references to uh, the special effects and everything like that. And then there is a single moment where. I think where Angela says, uh, there's like big blue people and the three nerdy lab techs in unison all say, the Navi. Uh, and that is the the absolute extent of reference to, to anything contained in the film Avatar. <laughs> Which realistically, if you're going to talk about Avatar, that's the way to do it. Because if I challenge you to name me a single character from Avatar, I mean, this is almost like a hack bit, but like, you can't tell me anything about Avatar. No, I can't. No. Not names. It's one of the most expensive film properties ever made. It's guaranteed to have several sequels. It's in the culture, whether anyone wants it to be there or not. And um, it's just, it has one of the least impact culturally, at least impact per dollar uh, ever. Uh, its Its impact was being talked about on the Boney Island Whitefish. Its impact was um, everybody collectively laughing at the name for the, the plot device that drove the story. Um, unobtainium. Mm. Yeah, That's it's, it's, like, it's... yeah, the only things anyone can remember are Navi and unobtainium. Yeah. So, um, so this scene basically extends to uh, one of them throwing up a tent and them saying, okay, one of us will have to stay here for the rest of the episode. I wonder if this will lead to any hijinks. Um, so we then uh, duck back to the lab. Um, Fisher is there. He's out of breath uh, because he has to rush back and quickly make his way through this work. He's showing Cam that there are stab wounds on the pelvis with a circular shape. And there is a blunt force wound on the skull. He's pulled some metal shavings out of it. Mm -hmm. Cam, meanwhile, is getting very suspicious of all these nerds uh, seeming very rushed and like they have somewhere better to be mm -hmm. than pulling grody old flesh off a dead body. This suspicion uh, never comes to anything. No, it doesn't, does it? Like, like it just, they keep, th this is what I was saying earlier. Like, I, I kept sort of going, oh, I wonder if perhaps this will, this will culminate either in this being found out or some type of, say, uh, conflict or them having to choose between uh, seeing Avatar and doing their jobs properly. But instead, um, nope, it just just never goes any further. It's, it's just some stuff that happens, which, to be fair, is accidentally more realistic than most TV. Yeah. 
um, we're all just bumbling through life. So Booth and Bone show up at an arcade, uh, continuing to argue about the legitimacy of esports. Um, they then find the ref, who is helpfully wearing a black and white striped ref's shirt. And yeah, you'd say, never um, know. Yeah, just the, he's just say, standing there in an arcade full of children, dressed up as a ref, doing God knows what. Yep, and they walk in and start going, has anyone seen a ref? Anyone <laughs> <laughs> seen a ref? We think he may have done a murder. We need a yeah. ref who did a murder, a murder ref. Couldn't be me. Mm-hmm. I'm a ref, so, but I didn't um, do a murder, is his defense. Well, so Booth employs a very similar, um, very similar, you know, powerful empath technique, um, like the one he displayed in the previous episode in the um, weird fetish club for feeders, when he goes up to the lady behind the bar, who um, was friends with the murder victim, and when she says, hey, what happened? He's like, she's dead. She's fucking dead. Uh, because in this case, they find this ref and they say, hey, you know this guy? And he goes, yes. And Booth is like, well, he's fucking dead. How do you feel about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, surprised. Um, yeah, they're always, they are always stunningly insensitive when it comes to informing people that a real person that they knew in their life is the victim of a homicide. Mm-hmm. Um, they're always like, yeah, you know that guy? Fucking dead. Worm food. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you feel about that? Did you do it? Did you do it? <laughs> Luckily, this isn't a real problem for this guy because he has replaced murder victim postman uh, slash gamer. Who, like, it feels like we've almost immediately forgotten anything about this character. Um, but he has replaced this guy with a hot gaming babe. Whoa! A gamer babe? I didn't think that was possible. Say, this is what the writers of Bones want you to say. The entire show, this entire episode is supposed to be viewed by like, again, just like guys who are like soy facing about the idea of a gamer, about gamer girls and what gaming is and about like, this is just, it's just three guys who would get into super gamer gate people in the next three years is who this is for. Pretty much. Um... Well, they, they do put forward the argument during this, or the, the girl does, that, hey, she can be a sexy babe and a gamer, because it's not about looks. It's about being good at the game, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they come over and they have a look at the, the arcade cabinet, and uh, Bones is able to immediately tell, just by glancing at it from six feet away, that it has recently been wiped down. Um, she then pulls out the UV light and glasses that I guess she constantly carries at all times in her pocket. Well, she borrowed them from another detective, Blood. <laughs> and swipes them over the danged, um, swipes them over the dang machine and says, hey, there was blood all over this. Mm-hmm. This is now the subject of a murder investigation. But he's just like, ah, these kids get so excited about the games, they just bleed on the cabinet. Yeah, yeah, they take him They take him back to the FBI and, and interview him. Uh, he explains that he paid $20,000 for this machine because it's fancy memorabilia. And when they're like, hey, uh, what's up with the machine being coated in blood? And he's like, hey, hey, you know, kids get get excited they get nosebleeds um they smash their own heads against the machines in frustration i'm wiping up blood off the floor every day he says it's just 
That just that just seems, you know, that's. Just, I mean, th- that is again just. What's that based on? Is that realistic? Just is that just Hart Hansen having a sort of flight of fancy and being like, I assume when children get excited, they just fountain blood onto whatever they're doing. <laughs> it's um, Hart Hansen's uh, kid threw an Xbox controller at him. Yeah, and he's and like, that's, "Oh, that's I it. will, I will, I will absolutely ruin you in the plot of my procedural murder show, Bones." I'm going to suggest that you fucking nerds get so excited, you like soy face so hard, your jaw and hinges, and you bleed all over the video game cabinet. <laughs> now, uh, unfortunately, this a does not sound like a great explanation, um, but b even more of a problem. This guy wants to see his fucking lawyer. And you know how we feel about that. It's a fucking it's a fucking epidemic in this episode of people wanting to see lawyers, you know, it's costing inc- the taxpayer money. It's incredibly suspicious, but luckily we also know that it's a big red herring because he's been asked if he did the murder and he said no. And we also still don't know what those three particulates are. That's we know right, that those so we are can't gonna, solve yeah. the crime yet. No, absolutely. We're going to have to... I mean, this is how crime solving works, is you find the evidence that you know is going to be the evidence, and then you just go and baselessly accuse a bunch of people to fill time. What else are you going to do? Um, <laughs> so, we we whip back around to waiting in line at the movies. Sweets, is it's his turn to wait in line, and he is sitting in line in a folding chair in a suit... Reading the DSM. It's like, it'd be just like if I, if I went to go sit down there and said, hmm, time to read the dictionary. Oh, dear. Time to read my first year economics textbook while I'm waiting. To yeah, well, to well hold on. Let's, let's, let's spitball here for a second. Um, so if you are a psychologist like him, you would sit there and read the DSM. If you are a writer, you would sit and read the dictionary. Um, I guess if you were if you were like a computer programmer, you would just like read like the the fundamentals of C plus plus. Yep, yep, just a big book of code. Yeah. So if you if you were a lawyer, you would just read the Constitution. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm just here brushing up on the Declaration of Independence. So, um, so uh, this this tattooed nerdy babe approaches him. Uh, More him babes into, into nerd stuff. James Cameron's Avatar. Ultimate nerd movie. She says, Lance, very phallic name you've got there. For some reason, she immediately wants to suck his dick. She's very horny. Yeah, because it's a young woman in a show written by the writers of Bones who is not involved in a murder. Well, young she's women. even younger than Angela, which means she's even hornier. Yeah, it's like it's it's like it's like if you're not a woman who's involved, if you're not a young woman who's involved in like a serious crime, you're sort of just almost like threateningly and aggressively horny in Bones' world. So, um, we we then have to rush back to the lab. It turns out that the thread that they found is from a peacock feather. But we have to get back there and relieve Sweets from his turn on the line. Mm. Um, so that means we've identified all three elements from the head wound, but we haven't figured out where they came from yet. Everything still irrelevant. Um, it's Angela time. She's watching the video of the winning entry for the record and identifies <laughs> very funnily. Yes. <laughs> that in like the end game of this video game on the kill screen, when this person has played a perfect game, they like 
bonk the the monkey on the head and she's like look at that the monkey has suffered the same injury as the victim being hit over the head with a big thing (laughs) (laughs) such a rare way of being murdered and also the monkey which is made of 20 pixels or so like this is just another time when they have just put a thing into this episode and it's just meaningless. Like, they never come yeah. back and say, like, I mean, that, like, you would insert that to suggest that perhaps the person who did the murder was somebody who was, like, very invested in the video game or very familiar with it or something like that. Uh, instead, no, we will just never be following that up again. No, it's that, it's that, this is the other thing. It's like, they've, it's almost like they listened to the previous episodes we did and they were like, okay, you think we don't set enough stuff up? We're going to start setting a bunch more stuff up, but they never pay it off. <laughs> just we a bunch we of don't ch- know what to do with it once we've set it up though. It's, you it's know? just, it's, it's again, the way that this works, right, is a bunch of Chekhov's guns get set up throughout the episode and then a vase just falls off a table towards the end and that's it. Yeah. Uh, let's skip back over the line to, to go and let Sweets off duty, yeah. but he's looking like he's going to get his dick sucked instead, by, so they by leave a woman him alone. Whose name is, it's, it's, your name is Lance, that's phallic. Well, my name is Pain. It's like, we yeah. should get together and cause each other pain? I don't know. Yeah. And, oh, and the, how she hits on Sweets is by being like, do you want to see my tattoos? And then showing him her breasts. And uh, he's like, wow, that's the sexiest thing I've ever seen. Whoa, uh, a bunch of bad 2000s tattoos. She looks like a fucking juggalo. <laughs> anyway. Um, um, so. And so, she says, uh, it's, it's, she's sitting on his, so when you come back, she's sitting on his lap in his like lawn chair um, and saying an actual shrink. That's so hot. Like, and then she's pop quizzing him from the DSM. Yeah. It's <laughs> so. like, ooh, what mental illness do I have? I taste salt right now. Um, and it's like, okay, I don't know. It's, um, uh, are you hitting on me? Disorder. Says, yeah, so salt, salt taste disorder. Is this it? Are you talking about a blowjob? Then he says, but my profession doesn't preclude me from a fascination with fantasy and sci-fi, a fascination that has never been set up before and will never be revisited again. Yeah, if it has been set up before in a previous season, I don't want to know about it. So, back at the lab, uh, Fisher is, is like, looking through the video game. They're trying to figure out how somebody could have got, um, you know, this, this circular-shaped stabbing injury. And he very helpfully and conveniently injures his hand with a, a similar piece of pipe inside the machine that the victim has been stabbed in the dong with a bunch of times. Um <laughs> Stabbed now, his own this, dong. That's yes. such as his dedication to crime solving. So, um, so you know, Bones establishes that, um, hey, there's a whole bunch of this kind of pipe at the video game man's workshop. And again, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to get crazy about, um, about the fact that, say, like, are you saying that this is one one diameter of like small metallic pipe and this is the only place in the world that it is used like yeah looks like it's looks like the, and, the there are two coincidences that's impossible yep. time um, to so, t- time to time time to go accuse a guy of murder baselessly you once again yes uh back in the line sweets is getting victimized at this point by this horny babe he just wants to to chill uh, but he and he has a girlfriend that we he saw several and episodes ago never again 
Just want to hang out and read my DSM in peace. Um, so DSW, instead, you want to read the DSM, but Tori Payne keeps trying to give you the DS. That's right. And in a classic situation, we've all found ourselves in. He winds up calling the rest of the crew and saying, help me out, guys. I've got a girlfriend. Um, but this this hot babe in the line for a sci-fi premiere won't stop trying to aggressively suck my dick. Uh, the thing that just keeps happening all the time. In the, in uh, the queue for say, Avatar hey, by James Cameron. By yes, James Cameron James Avatar, Avatar. You queue up for it. You might just get your dick sucked by a sort of manic pixie dream juggalo, you know? <laughs> so, um... So they're like, fuck you. We came to help you out. And you said that you wanted to get your dick sucked. So now um, it's a it's a rod for your own dick. And back in the lab, they're, they're having a look at the body. And Bones is like, assist. The victim had de Quervain's tenosynovitis, mm-hmm. a painful condition called us by extreme stress on the wrist. Which means that Billy Gable was correct. This guy must have cheated. On the date the videotape was made, he would not be capable of playing the game. Yep, that's what that means. And you can tell that from the bones. Time to conclude it decisively. Not even the bones. Assist, apparently. (laughs) You can tell it from something around or near the bones. So, continuing down this absolute dead end of a plot... Um, Hodgins now has his shirt off in the lab and he's testing the tensile strength of pipes by bending it. But they determine that it can't be the pipes from Billy's workshop. Must have been something else. Some other clue that hasn't been solved yet. And also, he's a big tattoo of Angela. (laughs) Hey, we'll baselessly accuse that guy again, I'm sure. But yeah, this is... um, Hodgins has a big tattoo of Angela. Yep. And she's like, what the... So yeah. I guess they used to be in a couple. We won't be going back to find out. Yeah. We, we don't know. We don't want to know. Uh, if you're going to comment, leave a comment on the Patreon telling us about what happened in previous season. I will not read it. <laughs> so back in the line, Sweets finally manages to bail. But uh, Fisher, who also starred in Avatar, is here. He's ready to scoop up this, this bird who desperately wants to fuck any nerd she can find mm-hmm. in the line for James Cameron's avatar. Yeah. So what happens is Sweets is like, mm, I have a girlfriend and even though I'm going to kiss you a couple of times, I'm going to decide that ultimately I don't want to have sex with you in this tent in a queue for James Cameron's avatar, a thing that otherwise would normally happen in the queue for James Cameron's avatar if you get there early enough and buy a ticket in advance. Uh, however, then the old school, uh, not old school guy, because he wasn't an old school grandma's boy, comes up and is like, hey, I've arrived. And she was like, I'm not going to have, this guy's not going to have sex with me. How about I show you my boobs and maybe you'll, you'll have sex with me. Won't one of these nerds have sex with me here in the queue for James Cameron's avatar? Well, she like instantly switches um, her interests like immediately while they are both there and in front of each other, which is very funny. Um, so back at the lab, Bones has noticed that the new winning record uh, from Steve, the dead mailman, was on a different machine. The kid with autism's machine. Um, Ta- we don't have very much time left in the episode. We have to get this thing solved. We've got to solve this goddamn crime, which is very lucky because Hodgins has just burst in to talk about peacock poop because the peacock feather that he found was in the peacock poop. Who I- is ready for a fat dose 
of wild speculation. I will never get tired of that stinger. Hmm. All right. So here's how we're going to incredibly loosely try to solve this crime. Uh, so Hodgins says, who wants to know about peacock poop? Not the greatest opening. I was looking at this thing all wrong. I kept asking myself how to do peacock feathers. How do peacock feathers, graminoid seeds, and insect legs get on the same blunt weapon? And Bone says, that is exactly the question we need answered. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just like the, the 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 writers the writers notes just accidentally made it in to the yeah, to a line yeah. of dialogue like a copy that paste. That is the plot something. line we need resolved. Yes, we have to find this murder. Thank you. Um, so Hodgins says sometimes peacock feathers are in peacock poop because they preen themselves. The Indian blue peacock, to be precise. Um. So, so Bone says, why would the murderer dip his weapon into peacock excrement? And Hodgson says, what if he didn't do it on purpose? Oh, it's a Christian ham magic. <laughs> like someone somewhere was just like, yeah, uh, the, they, the, they hate peacock. The, the, the jihadists hate peacock poo and you can like own them in the afterlife. But if you dip your, go- if you dip your sort of golf club in, in peacock shit. That's right. Um, so he pulls up a map. And he says, the only two places with Indian blue peacocks are the United States Botanical Gardens and the Annapolis Valley Golf Course. Uh, Bone says, it could have been a golf club. And they go, that would also explain the crickets and the fescue. And they say, let's see which one of our suspects golfs at Annapolis Valley. Well, time time to draw the conclusion. That's right. But first, we have to wrap up our B-plot, which, as you said, has surprisingly been actually threaded through some other parts of the episode. Um, Hodgins shows up uh, to meet Sweets, and the the tent is rolling around comically as Fisher just fucks this lady publicly in the line for James Cameron's avatar. Mm-hmm. In a tent, uh, which will happen in the line for James Cameron's avatar. If... You happen to get tickets for James Cameron's Avatar and you get into a line, you will be getting your dick sucked. Mm. So, um, it's time for the worst metaphors you've ever heard. Because uh, Hodgins shows up and says, he pitched his tent when you didn't, huh? And uh, P- Pitching says, a tent is just getting a boner. So, it's like, yeah, he got a boner and you didn't a get a boner. Uh, Sweet says, um, Fisher said that in the short amount of time that I've been with Daisy, who is his girlfriend that you might remember from, I don't know, five episodes ago, never to be seen again. Uh, he has pitched his tent with seven women. Hodgson says, yeah, but come on. He only ever pitches his tent once with each woman. You're the kind of guy. You don't just pitch a tent. You homestead the land. Yeah, women who are land. Yeah, you, you, you also take possession of property. That is women. Yes. Um, Come on, guys. So Hodgins then offers the tantalizing prospect of doing the math. Fisher's seven women versus your one Daisy. Seven one night stands. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he has sex what twenty one times. Okay, now rough estimate. How many times have you and Daisy pitched a tent? Doing the math sex-wise. He does do the math sex-wise, and he says, wait, 
I've had sex with my girlfriend of many years much more than 21 times. Therefore, I am a more effective uh, Lothario than the guy from Grandma's Boy in a leather jacket. That's the lesson that they learn. And then the movie starts to file in and they just ditch the guy who gave them the tickets to James Cameron's Avatar. They're just like, fuck that guy. So he can get tickets to the sex you're going to have in the queue for James Cameron's Avatar, which is a thing that will happen. Uh, we then get the worst piece of dialogue in the entire episode as Hodgins, um, talking about how much of a babe the babe was, says, did you see those tattoos? Epic. Yeah. I mean, have you ever, it's, it's, <sighs> this is, this is before Juggalos became normalized. So we return to the house of the punky Kong savant gaming kid. Mm, Turns out for, that his time dad. For, I say time for another, um, sensitive and well thought out portrayal of someone on the spectrum yes yes um we return to where this this kid is playing punky kong punky pong on his gaming cabinet turns out his father golfs at the annapolis golf course um they they have a bit of a look around and bones bones very helpfully looks through his golf clubs once they find them he's like buh Boy, I haven't played golf in a while. Don't even bother looking for my clubs. Um, Bones finds them, pokes through them and says, Hmm, in order to commit the stabbing part of the murder, this would need to have been snapped off. Uh, and I can't find a snapped off golf club in here covered in blood. So there's no so, murder weapon. Guess we can't baselessly accuse him. Guess we cannot do a murder. But, helpfully... Um, Helpfully, Booth is here to employ the FBI's most cunning uh, interview techniques when he says, hold on, I know all about golf because I'm a jock who doesn't think that esports are real sports, so I know what to ask. Where is your three iron? On the Annapolis golf course, you would definitely need a three iron. <laughs> you know, because... And you know what that means. It means... Time. It's time for someone to confess to a murder because they've been accused of it. And a witch cursed them and said they had to. No murderer from Bones can say no when you ask them if they've murdered someone. So it is time for a confession. We're back at the FBI. It turns out that the mailman stole that kid gamer's perfect game. Um, He says he even admitted it. He said he videotaped Dougie. That's his son. But he refused to credit Dougie. I lost it. And Bone says, you beat him with your golf club. And when the head broke off, you stabbed him with it. And Keith says, the only thing my boy has in this world, one thing, this man stole it from him. It wasn't right. And then he breaks down in tears. And he does have a big monologue about how, you know, the the only thing that his nonverbal son uh, connects with in the world, the only thing that that gets a, a response from him is this game of Punky Pong, the very real game. Um, I kind of thought during this part, I was like, I don't feel like uh, the reputational factor of winning a game and having someone post on the internet that you won at the game is probably going to matter that much to like a nonverbal kid uh, with autism. Uh, Probably, like, you know, I... I'm, I don't sit around in a lawn chair reading the DSM, but mm-hmm. 
uh, I don't necessarily think that's worth murdering someone over. No, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I generally, you know, I, I think that I wouldn't, um, I probably wouldn't uh, be like, go from reading the dictionary to, um, you know, doing a murder over like uh, stealing my son's gamer valor. Um, murder for, for gamer valor. Um, so. At this point, I will take a slight detour to say that we received a really nice letter um, a couple of weeks ago because we have made a whole bunch of references in the show to the portrayal of Bones as... Like, they don't say it explicitly, but it feels very much like they are portraying her as somebody on the spectrum, but that her ability to recognize and respond to social cues seems to vary wildly depending on what the writers want from the character at that particular moment, which in and of itself seems like a fairly inconsistent portrayal. Um, so I got this letter from a listener, um, Mamie, Mammy, Mamie, mm-hmm. Uh, who says, hi, I'm a huge fan of the Boney Island Whitefish. Uh, you and Riley are extremely funny. Oh, thank you. Uh, and provide some great commentary to a less than great show. I especially like your comments on Bones as a character. She was an important character to me growing up in a bad way. I'm a girl with autism and I have slightly different symptoms than boys with autism. The main one being masking, where I try to conceal my autism based on what I think is normal behavior that I see from other people and characters. My mother tried to let me watch TV shows where I could see smart characters. This meant watching a lot of Harry Potter... Big Bang Theory, Monk, and of course, Bones. This also meant nine-year-old me thought that behaving like a smartass was cool and normal. Luckily, I grew out of that phase, although much slower than I probably should have. Who would have guessed that acting like Bones wouldn't help me make friends? Your comments about her and the show in general are really helping me to put that part of my life into perspective. Listening to the Boney Island Whitefish has been a cathartic and genuinely helpful experience for me. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think that that's a very, very interesting perspective on this, particularly as we've discussed it being very much a product of its time, you know. Uh, and, and yeah, just the, the way that it is portrayed is very often like, I don't know, I guess that, that responding to things in the way that the character Bones responds to things is like meant to sort of be sassy in its own way yeah well it's okay i i my my thinking about this right is that a lot of this is about a desire for depth in a character that comes from a culture that's characterized by therapy where the idea is that writing a character with depth is writing a character whose actions whose characteristics and so on are justified by something that is fundamental about them something that happened in their past some trauma some uh, in parentheses dis or order um and that these things have to be explicable with reference to some kind of condition or event and that so part of the show either it's comedy or it's you know drama 
is around the interaction of the results of that event and people trying to deal with that event. And it basically means that what you're doing is, is that writing becomes filtering a set of circumstances and a, a, a bunch of previous experiences through a sort of, through a human mouth. It means that um, Bones, for example, is very little more than just um, someone who is very flexibly on the spectrum based on the plot. And one of the reasons that it's that the show is just like, you know, badly written is that that act of therapy, that working out what is fundamental about her in terms of this, you know, this condition, right, that she's supposed to have is the condition itself is inconsistent. And so the character is never the same from scene to scene because you're basically writing her just as the working out of some condition. And this is also, this also happens in, uh, you know, shows that are a little like more, um, let's say respectable than Bones as well. You know, I mean, um, the, it, it, it is this desire, I think, to, to write something serious by either giving characters cancer and having them work, deal with that or giving character, giving characters a condition that ha they have to work through and so on. And I mean, I think it's a, personally, I think it, it's something that we're, that is, we're very obsessed with because especially, you know, in America, but increasingly elsewhere, there is a desire for gravitas and seriousness and, and connection to something that isn't just, you know, random action in any direction. And so whenever someone wants to tell you about themselves, they'll tell you about something bad that happened to them or something that is something they struggle with or what have you, because that's what gives you depth. And I think it is a, I, I, I don't think it's a, it's particular. I think it is, it is indicative of a, um, it is, it, it is indicative of a, a show writing culture that is reaching for depth for depth's sake. And has confused that with just, uh, with just having things underlying. Well, it also kind of makes me think of, um, I, I, th I think that this period of TV probably aligns uh, historically with a period of like filmmaking that was very popular that was things like Garden State, um, you know, things with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, things with people... Um, things with people like having a breakdown, you know, the American beauty kind of stuff, um, things with people, yeah, suffering some kind of emotional breakdown or learning that like, you know, being weird or different or having something wrong with you is interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, that's kind of what I'm trying to get to is this desperate desire to be interesting in an authentic sense. And that means that you have to have something fundamental about you that is different, but you have to be able to point to and identify what it is. And it also kind of has to be a struggle. And uh, I will say that in some ways, I think that that has morphed over time into what we're sort of seeing today, which is this like constant splintering and fragmentation of um, constant splintering and fragmentation of like identity and uh gender and sexuality and political identification and all that kind of thing where like the the, the I'm, I'm obviously talking about the really out there like tumblr teen kind of stuff of um you know i'm an i'm an ancom uh <laughs> yeah, just, just you can go down the hole more it's well it's what it, it's it's 
it's there's this thing right where there is this cultural drive to have things about you uh, to have yeah to yeah have and, chapters and I should, in your I should, story and and detail underlying your the development of your personal character i would like to stress of course that there is nothing wrong with you know thinking about your political affiliation or an ideology that you ascribe to there is nothing wrong with being able to express openly how you feel about your own gender identity or your sexuality or any of those things but i feel like there's a difference between being able to comfortably think about and express those things versus this is my whole identity this is the first thing i tell people about myself this is the thing I put on the forefront of my personality. Well, like, um, it's, it's, it's trying to, I think there is, there is a desire, I think, um, um, among a lot of, among many people, you know, myself included, I think I do this as well, which is to understand yourself by, with reference to details of your past and reference to details of things that you are, that you cannot change. And I, I, I think it is, it's about storytelling and it's about, making sure that it's about trying to have an interesting story and whether or not these things are true you know it's um it is it's about it's a lot of it comes to be about standing out from the crowd and i think you can you can see the roots of it in storytelling like this this idea that it's not enough to be that to be a unique person you have to have unique facts about you hmm yeah, I think so. And, um, and of course, in the case of Bones, it is that this person's uh, inability to read social cues and to, and to have, you know, in- interactions with other people where they do what would be expected of them by another person. Um, that's, that's the thing that makes her interesting. Although they do kind of... <sighs> I, I feel like they have this thing of kind of wanting to have it both ways where they want to use this constantly as a plot device to say, ah, oh, we'll do some character development where Bones learns what a joke is for the first time at 35 years old, you know. Um, but also they have these, um, they have, you know, times with Sweets where Sweets is saying, ah, this is all because... Um, this is all because, you know, she had abuse in her youth and she, you know, she's compensating for all these things and she's so highly intelligent that she kind of puts a mask over these other aspects. So they kind of explain it away in a way that isn't saying, you know, she is somewhere on the spectrum. I'm not even sure if in 2009 people were using that language. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, it, they, do, they do seem to want to ascribe it much more as personality traits than yeah you know anything diagnosable for example but um but yeah so that was that was a very interesting perspective to get from a listener and we're mm-hmm. we're very uh thankful to you for writing in and sharing that with us yes thank you uh, very and i much. guess we also need to wrap this episode up by saying we close it out with uh the, the father tearfully confessing to uh, murdering over Game of Valor and Bones and Booth um, having a little play of the arcade game at the end and doing some some uh, flirty competition over the game. And then we're played out with a jaunty tune as another person lies dead in the grave and someone else goes to prison. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just more, more development, more grist for the mill of bones and booths, sort of casual flirtation was lives being destroyed and having that just be fun. Well, that is all that we have time for this week. Probably even more than we have time for this week. Indeed. Um, so we're going to get out of here. Thank you again for listening. And, uh, you know, bone on. Hey, hey, bone <laughs> off. Bone <laughs> off, guys. Whichever one. Whichever one helps you out the most, makes you feel the best, you know? Bone on or off. Mm-hmm. Just bone around. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.